Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor, I'm a coach, I'm a husband, I'm a very proud grandfather. And along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've already achieved and of living a fulfilled life by continuing to make a positive difference in the world. I invite you to join me to listen in on the Everyday Millionaire podcast as I interview and have conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some pretty extraordinary results, whether it be in their life, in their business, in real estate, And it's here where I'm going to delve into the details of their journey, along with the paths they've traveled to get where they are today, and as importantly, where they intend to go in the future. My guests are here to inspire. They're here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them, both in their wins and in their challenges, from the life and the lifestyle they live to the person they had to become along the way in creating and building their financial futures for themselves and their families. Before I begin this episode, I'll start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to ask you to please continue to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. That is CEO at R-E-I-N-Canada.com. And if you're inclined, please share this podcast with your friends or your family and with people you know or perhaps even people you don't know. Rate the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, please follow me on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thanks again for the feedback you provide us. It's definitely appreciated. Okay, let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. The phrase, live your truth, are wise words of guidance often stated in the personal development space. Intellectually, most believe they understand what that means. But as a coach myself, my experience is that meeting someone who is living their truth is actually quite rare. To understand it intellectually is one thing, to live it quite another. I caught up to my guest today who is an old friend of mine now living in Bali and who has been on a journey of both discovering and of living his truth. Chris Biasudi got to living his truth, which included buying a boat to sail the world with basically zero sailing experience. His first trip, in fact, to make on his 47-foot catamaran was a 900-mile sail from New Caledonia in the South Pacific to New Zealand, which turned out to be five days of 24-hour non-stop open ocean sailing. That's his first trip. And as Chris describes it, I'd never been out of sight of land on a boat before. The very thought of it both terrified and excited me. This was truly leaping into the unknown of what it meant to live my truth, which was miles outside of my comfort zone. Chris thought this must be in fact how James Cook felt after he returned from his first circumnavigation. In my conversation with Chris today, he shares his many lessons learned in his experiences on the many trips to follow over the years after this first epic trip, such as his realization that the decisions that absolutely terrified him have been the best ones he's ever made, which means doing the things that make you uncomfortable and that experience isn't everything, or that studying and preparation can only take you so far. At some point, 
You have to leap off the cliff and trust that your wings will let you fly. Or that taking things one day at a time and by preparing to deal with challenges by simply trying to do the next right thing will often result in looking up to find yourself accomplishing incredible things. So gather up your courage to listen in, to consider the choices that terrify you, to construct your wings and leap off the cliff and to have faith. Taking it one day at a time, doing the next right thing, and before you even know it, you could be flying. Listen in as Chris takes us on his journey of discovering and living his truth. Chris Piasuti, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Dude, I am so stoked to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here, man. Yeah, so for the listeners that don't know what the heck this podcast is all about, Chris, you uh, have been on a journey the past several years that I've been kind of following from a distance. You and I know each other from our history and the world of real estate and the world of rain and what you did back in the day when you were uh, EMD and pitching deals and doing all the things you're doing. And now you're not doing that. No. Nope. <laughs> no, no, that's not, a short answer. Even, that's a not, really not short even, answer. Yeah, that's a really, really short answer. Yeah, not uh, not even close to doing that and in a completely different world from what that was. Um, so let's talk yeah. about that story and talk about the journey. Your journey is fascinating. And uh, so let I'm going to give our listeners a little bit of a background because to the degree that we knew each other, it was really work-related, like business-related. And uh, you were part of the RAIN community, and that was awesome. And you were doing what you did in that world, and you're really helpful to the community in that regard. But on the side, you were always Chris, Chris with slim and trim and like to go diving, like as in scuba. And, uh, and you lived on a boat, which was always fascinating because, of course, you know, I have wardrobes and suits and ties and shoes and all the shit, and I'm going... God, how the hell does Chris, you know, it's not that you're a small guy, you're not a big guy. And I go, okay, well, I could justify that. You know, I could see that working. But uh, so you lived on a boat and uh, you were EMD, you were in the world of real estate. We can enter this conversation anywhere. It's a pretty, yeah. it's a pretty cool story. But let's, why don't we start yeah. there and then jump around? Yeah, I guess to, to a certain extent, it's interesting that you put it in that frame. My, my entire life, you know, has kind of been this, had been this dichotomy of like, there was this part of me that loved adventure. I loved going out and doing adventurous things. You know, we both know Dave Steele. I remember at one yeah. point he said to me, Chris, you're a hippie caught in a business person's body. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and to a certain extent, that was, that's true. You know, like I, I always had this something inside of me that was driving me towards adventure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd been a RAIN member for a really, really long time. And, uh, you know, RAIN really helped me uh, with, with my life and, and building the life that I have today, you know, it provided a, uh, a foundation of uh, financial foundation first and foremost. And, and I met a lot of great people through it that ended up being massive pillars of support in my life. Um, so from multiple areas, it, it really, it really helped me, but yeah, long, long story short. I mean, I, I did the, the EMD thing. I did the real estate thing. And at some point along the, the journey there, I looked at, I looked at my life and, and this dichotomy that was happening. And I realized that I wasn't happy continuing down this, this business road in the way that I was doing it. And 
in that moment of realizing that there was a lot of stuff that came up in my life. You know, I realized that I was, I was doing a lot of things in my life to try and compensate for this fact that I wasn't pursuing this dream that I had. You know, one of those things was, was drinking was a big problem for me, partying a lot, all these kind of things behind the scene. And I started to address them really long story short. And as I, as I addressed them, the dream became clearer, you know, what I really wanted to be doing. And uh, one of those things that I'd always dreamed of was buying a boat and going to sail the world. And so, uh, yeah, basically that's, that's, that's exactly what I did. So that's a, that's a short recap. That's a very short recap and we're going to get there, but I want to go back a little bit just once again for our listeners. So you're still a young man, but how, give me an age perspective of what you were back at that time. How old were you? Yeah, uh, I was, so I started in the, the real estate game at 23, yeah. uh, is, is when I, I think that was 23. I first became a rain member. I actually moved to Calgary and started, I met some people in rain and I moved to Calgary and started to work with them. Uh, and I started my own basically brokerage, uh, selling investments in the real estate space at 25. And so grew that business. I was in that business for basically seven years. So yeah, and for, thing. So we, we talk about an EMD, which is an exempt market dealer. Now, not everybody knows what an EMD is. So that's why I want to shine a light on it. But the point of me bringing that to the table is that you're, you know, just Dave Steele's point, you know, who I know was one of your mentors and supported you a lot in what you were trying to achieve is, is that's not a, you know, that's not a, a kind of a, a thing that you just take on. It takes some savvy. It takes some education. You got to pay attention. You got to learn. And you're at, and I think at, at 23, 25, however old you were when you got your EMD, that was kind of ahead of the curve. So of what would normally be a curve for achieving and, and going for that EMD. So you had some good business savvy is what I'm saying there. So you're, you're actually living a pretty good life. You're making good dough. You're working your ass off. You're, you're achieving goals. You're really business guy doing above average kind of, you're getting above average results. You know, there's no doubt about that. And, and who you were in the rank community, you were always pro, you always had a great story. You were always there and very supportive, uh, easy to deal with now. So you got all that going on for you, but underneath all that is a story. Okay. A story of some, perhaps we'll call them some demons like many, many have, we all have at some point probably, but mostly you're not, not only are you not living your dream, you're not living your truth. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? So I covered all of that because I want to just, I really want to set a context for the next part of where we go with this conversation. Is that a fair statement? Completely fair statement. And that that's, yeah, it, the dream is a, is a part of it, but, but the, the bigger thing is you nailed it as I was not living my truth. Mm -hmm. I was not, yeah, there was this dichotomy inside of me. You know, and I was suppressing a big part of myself. So let's talk a little bit about that, because I think many people can fall into a trap of not living their truth. But you, first off, you have to have an awareness that you even know what that might be. Yeah. Right. Where was it where you weren't living your truth beyond the dream of buying a sailboat? Where weren't you living your truth? Let's talk a little bit about that, because I think there's some good insights for people in that. Yeah, I mean, I was I was hiding is is the best way to put it. Uh, I was just hiding. I was hiding me, uh, like you like you kind of alluded to earlier. I was I was living on this boat. I was, you know, I was I was living on the boat, and and then this other part of my life, I was like putting on a suit or whatever and showing up in this business world, uh, and I wasn't showing up as me in the world. And the other part of 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 me not living my truth is uh, this this 
this thing you you alluded to these demons that were going on for me i wasn't sharing these you know i was i was keeping them all bottled up inside of me and i think everybody does have struggles we all have demons we all have things that are are challenging in our life and for me the way that i dealt with that was to not share them to bottle that up to push it down inside and to go after the stuff that i thought was going to make me happy and like you said like uh, i was i was successful in in business i was financially successful on the outside i had all these things in my life that i thought would make me happy but on the inside uh i wasn't you know there was there was a piece missing and i wasn't sharing that and so i think that's for me anyway when it came down to sharing my truth to start to share my truth i think we all have to start where we're at and at that point where i was at was i wasn't happy uh but i didn't want to share that that was the last thing in the world that i wanted to share you know because on the outside my life looked looked quite nice it looked you know i had a, a, a nice condo i was living in i was i just had a nice condo i was living on a boat i had a, a beautiful girlfriend the picture looked good mm-hmm. so it but but i'm not happy you know but i don't want to tell anybody that <laughs> you know so that 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 was a a massive struggle and and for me the way i dealt with it was yeah i mean for me a big part of the way i dealt with it was a lot of drinking you know i would go out and party and i would drink and Dis- and work. disconnect you know disconnect. i worked a lot too yeah exactly disconnect, disconnect. From your life. we all yeah yeah yeah. And we all have different ways of disconnecting. Uh, a part of, again, identifying my truth was also identifying in what ways was I disconnecting? You know, mm-hmm. what was I doing in my life to disconnect rather than to connect, to be like, Hey, I'm not happy. What changes can I make to actually be more happy, to be happier Right. <laughs> you know, rather than just walking further from that? Chris, and then I know you're you know, you're eloquent in speech and you're a pretty clear guy. You've done a lot of work. And so I'm going to pick your brain a little bit because I think there's just so much in what year you've learned that you can share. But I want to ask this question. What is happiness? What did happiness mean to you at that time? Happiness is a word that I try not to use because I don't think it's definable. I can't define happy. I can define I'm satisfied for my life or there's joy in my life, but I don't know if I can define happy. And 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 I run into people all the time and speak with people that really can't define it. Could you define it? Could you Can you go back to what that was for you, do you think? to define, I mean, happiness is an intangible thing. Is yeah. I, I agree with you. It's a very intangible thing. So when I say I wasn't happy, I think it's more of like, I was not, I wasn't living my truth. I wasn't aligned. Yeah. You know, there was this, there was this, this disconnect, this dichotomy, uh, within me. So that, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, so you knew something was missing. This exactly. wasn't it. Life wasn't fulfilling. You're not yeah. getting what you feel you should have got out of life. Yeah. Yeah, there was more. There was more that I that I that I wanted. Yeah. I, I looked at my life and I was like, "Is this it?" And I mean, and I, and that's oh. like, it, again, I was I was at, when this happened. I was twenty nine years old. So you know, to, to a certain, I, <laughs> I say that, and it's like, it sounds a bit like, "What do you mean? You were twenty nine? Of course, there's more." But I, that that was where I was at. You yeah, know, yeah, I was yeah. like, "Yeah, okay." So so let's let's start to go ahead a little bit. So you realize that life just is not giving you what you believe life could give you. You believe that there's more to it than putting on a suit, living on a boat, having a beautiful girlfriend, living in a condo, making a ton of dough, you know, and having all of the outside look and all the smoke and mirrors. In in your case, that was smoke and mirrors because underneath it, that's not who you were or who you wanted to be. Yet for many, that is, in fact, that is the epitome of how they want to live their life. Yep. Yep. For some people, that's exactly what they want. Yeah. 
for me, for me, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're, you're living a life of smoke and mirrors and it's, you're, you're not living your truth. Okay. Got it. I think that's an important connect disconnect for me. Anyways, I'm a tough study sometimes. Okay. So one day you wake up and you go enough of this shit. Yeah. I'm done. How did that all come to be? What did that look like? So it actually, the, there was, there's a series of things like any, any major change in life that lead up to it. But I think that there's always a moment you can look back on and be like, Hey, this was a defining moment where I chose, I chose to move in a different direction. And I, and I had almost like an aha realization of man, like I've got some work to do here, <laughs> you know, like not some work on me, sure. you know, to, to really just even figure out what my truth is, where mm. I want to go. And the moment for me was, um, you know, I think, you know, Philip McKernan. I know Philip um, well, yeah, he, you bet. Yeah, yeah, Philip McKernan is a, a good friend of mine and mentor of mine. And and, and he asked me to do uh, a talk in an event that he does called One Last Talk. Yep. And uh, the idea of the talk is, you know, if you've got 30 days left to live, what message will you give the world? Mm. And he asked me to speak at this event. And luckily, there's a speaker's retreat before the event where he works with you and is like, okay, you know, what's your talk and 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 helps you through it. And I showed up to the speaker's retreat, you know, in, in classic, what I would call kind of old Chris mindset, like, I got this nailed, you know, I know exactly like overconfident, and it's going to be fine. And all these people stood up to deliver their talk. And they I was like, wow, that was so good. Wow, that was so good. And every person that was delivering a talk, I was like, oh, I could say a little bit of that and a little bit of that and a little bit of that. And that's going to sound great. And then I stood up to give my talk and I stood there and, and I knew, you know, this this talk was like something that had to come from the heart. You know, sure. it had to mean something. And I stood there and I stood there and I stood there and I had nothing. Like I had nothing. I had all these ideas in my head, but I had nothing that was coming from here. Nothing at all. And and I remember Philip looked at me and he's like, he's like, man, you, it looks like you just want to cry. And and something about that, like I was standing in front of like 20 other people and he's there and I just started crying. And sure. I was like, and it was, it was, I mean, it was embarrassing. It was, it was, it was sad. It was, it was everything at once. And, but something inside of me just went like that. And that was the moment that I really connected to the fact that, Hey, there's something off here. You know, like I'm standing in front of all these, these people and, and, and they're all amazing. I knew, I knew a lot of them, you know, they're all really great, caring, supportive people. And I had nothing, I couldn't connect to anything deeper than was going on in my head. Yeah, that, that was that was the beginning of that kind of shift for me. Uh, and a lot of things started to come up where I realized, hey, I'm not I'm not living in alignment. You know, I'm 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 pushing this 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 feeling down. I'm not connected to anything deeper in my life. And uh, that's where I started to realize, hey, like, man, like I'm doing all these things to disconnect. You know, so rather than connecting to this, when I start to feel this feeling, I'm going and going to have a party or, or going out for some drinks with some friends and not just having a few, having like 15, you know? And, right. and so, so a big part of my journey from that point was to, first of all, deal with that, was to deal with the stuff that was getting in the way. And so I started to go to meetings uh, to deal with, with drinking and to, to stop drinking and, and I spent about a year of my life doing that, doing some coaching. Uh, I signed up to work with a, uh, with a coach. I did some work with Philip and some other people. 
to just really try and figure out who Chris was and what Chris really wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, it, it was, it wasn't easy. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was challenging work to do because it was, it was digging into areas that I didn't want to go. And, uh, yeah, that, and all at the same time, I was still running my business. Sure. Of course. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I had this, bills, this, having to show up, step yeah, up, do all the things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but, but the nice thing was, you know, because, because I, I'd, Again, I, I'd invested this time in building this business. I had the space to go and, and do this stuff. Yeah. And so I'd say that that was the biggest thing for me is I took space. You know, it was like, it was like I need to take some space to try and figure this out. And I took a bit of space and I really enjoyed that space. And I was like, wow, like this is cool. I can, I'm starting to figure out what I want, who I want to be, what I want to do. Through that journey, I, I realized I was like, hey, you know, I've always had this dream of sailing the world. And why not? <laughs> you know, like basically that was the thing. I remember sitting around with Sayo, and who's, who's my partner, and and we were like, you know, she knew I had this dream. I lived on a boat when she met me, and she knew I had this dream. And I remember we were sitting around, and Sayo was six months pregnant, and we'd been taught, I, I, you know, on and off, and like, hey, I had this dream about buying a sailboat and going sailing. And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, you know, like, and then over time, she said, oh, yeah, maybe that, that would be a cool idea, you know, that'd be fun. And so she's six months pregnant, and we're like, you know, let's go on one last trip before we have this child, before we have our baby. And then that turned into, well, we've been talking about the sailing thing, so why don't we go on a trip where we can look at some boats, and then that turned into, well, if we're going to go look at some boats, why don't we find a boat we actually like, find where that is and go look at it where it is. And so that turned into flying to New Caledonia, which is in the middle of the South Pacific. I had no idea it even existed before we found that there was a boat there that we, we were interested in. And we flew there. And long story short, there's a whole bunch of that story. We ended up buying that boat. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a, a little bit of a, yeah, a snapshot as to, to how that shift happened for me, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting of, is that um, I actually met some other people many years ago at a bed and breakfast who had a similar story, had never sailed. And uh, they literally bought a boat and started sailing. They bought a, it was a 32 foot something, uh, not a catamaran, by the way. And uh, they, they sailed for seven years and lived on that boat. And what's really interesting about it, I'll just add a little bit of a real estate story to it. He bought, he came back seven years later and he was in White Rock. And this is several years ago. And there was a plot of 40 acres for sale in in White Rock at the time. And I can't remember what landing it's called today. Anyways, he uh, he wanted to buy that that piece of 40, 40 acre piece of property that had this old rundown house on it. And he wanted to partner with his, and it was a 1,200 square foot house, old old house, old bungalow. He wanted to partner with his family. And they said, we're not living in a piece of crap. And he goes, they're on a 32 boat. So they just, this is like a mansion to them, right? <laughs> they're good. Like they can handle this all day long. Anyways, he ended up putting all the money together for that 40 acre parcel of land. And uh, needless to say, what happened in White Rock about literally within the next five or six years took that piece of property from a few hundred thousand dollars to a few a million dollars and, uh, you know, hence the home run after living on a boat for seven years. So now he just lives his dream, whatever his dream is around all of that. But he did exactly what you did, which was to say, I'm out of here. And by the way, he had uh, his, they had twins uh, while they were sailing. 
uh, twin girls, and uh, now he homeschools them. They were two years old when they finally hit land. And wow. so they lived on that boat for what, of course, they were doing stops on islands and all sorts of stuff. So yeah. cool stories along that. Okay, so we digress. I digress. So, Chris, when you're going through that, what you're going through, so you're discovering what you're discovering about yourself. Now, are you starting to talk about it with, you know, your business partners, if you will, or your business associates? Are you starting to have conversations and they're going, what the hell's happening to Chris? What's going on there? <laughs> yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, I think uh, 100%. Uh, I, I was changing, you know, I was changing. I was, I was, I, I, I was, I was uncovering more of myself. And so that was changing the way that I, I presented to the world. And yeah, I was having conversations with people that I was doing business with and they were not comfortable conversations because there was a, a number of people I did business with that were like, dude, what? Like what, who, where's, where's, where's Chris gone? Who's this guy? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and you want to do what? Like, okay, you know, like go, go and do it. But why, like, you've got a great thing going here, you know, like, why don't you just keep doing this thing? And, and in, in 10 years, you're going to, you know, you're going to be in this place and it's going to be great. And, uh, and, I, and I'm like, yeah, but guys, that's not what I want, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it was, it was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. And a lot of, there was a lot of relationships in my life then that uh, I are not really relationships anymore. I mean, I know these people, but I don't have the same relationship with them mm-hmm. anymore. And it's it's there's a part of me that's that feels really sad about that. That you know, because the, these were really close relationships, you know. But on the other hand, I'm I'm you know I I I, I was going in a different direction. And, you know, for me anyway, like change is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> Like that's, 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 that's the one thing that I've, I've learned, you know, making, making any, any changes, even small changes are not necessarily easy things to do, but big changes are, are, there's a lot of resistance internally and externally. Mm -hmm. That was something I had to walk through was to have these uncomfortable conversations. You know, it's interesting, you know, Stephanie and I, who've been coaching for many, many years, and we launched a new program back in late 2020 called I Shift Thinking. And I shift and shift was never meant to be an acronym, but it turned out to be an acronym, which was setting honest intentions for transformation. So it became, I set honest intentions for transformational thinking. And the whole shift part of it was really interesting because it speaks to what you are. Self, it's a journey of self-discovery, which is what is my truth? I want to live my truth. I know I'm not, I don't even know what it is. And so you hit a real, you hit it right on the head is that that shift or that change that you refer to of living your truth does not come without a cost. Mm. And that cost is often relationships, friendships, family sometimes. I mean, it's like, who the hell are you? You know, what happened to my son? What happened to my daughter? You know, what happened to my business partner? And so it gets tested. So you went, you, it sounds like you went through that a lot. Yeah. And I, and I kind of went through it on both fronts uh, at the same time, because I, I, a large part of my life revolved around uh, my social life revolved around drinking. Mm-hmm. And when I stopped drinking, uh, I was, so I was having these conversations on the business front because I was, I was beginning to exit my business. Mm-hmm. And I was also having these same conversations on the social front because, you know, I was, my friends were calling me up and like, Hey man, what do you want to do? You want to go to the bar this weekend? And I'm like, no, no. And, and like, what do you mean? No. <laughs> you know, like we, we've been doing this for years. What do you mean? You don't want to go, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was kind of these two things at the same time that, uh, so yeah, I mean, to be honest for, for probably 
like six months there, I, I, I was a bit of like a hermit. <laughs> you know, like I kind of was just like sure. at home and like, and I don't mean a hermit in like the, 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 maybe the classic term of the like old cadre guy in his house, like, but hermit as in, I just was at home and I was in loving spending time with me right? for probably the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, absolutely just loving being with me, uh, which was, which was a cool, a cool place to be. Now you were, you were, you had got some coaching, but in the journey of kind of self-discovery or personal development, were you doing lots of reading at the time? What were some of the tools that you were using at that time, Chris? Yeah. Co- coaching. So I was, I was doing, I was doing, uh, a coaching program. Yeah. I, um, and I, I was going to, I was going to meetings to stop drinking. Um, mm-hmm. I was surrounding myself with a lot of people that had been kind of through the changes that I was going through. Right. That was, I would say that was the biggest tool. Mm-hmm. Um, both hired people that I hired like coaches yeah, and yeah. then also just, just people that I met, right. uh, mentors and things reading. I was trying to think of books that I would have read at that time. There wasn't a ton of reading that I was doing yep. at that time. It was, yeah, it was more still figuring out who you were, figure out who you are, what you want. Yeah. It was, it was very like self-exploratory, like, like really just like working with people and then just sitting with myself mm-hmm. and being like, Hey, what's, what, what's coming up here for me? I want to ask you a question, Chris, and I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious about this because you talk about the drinking part of it. Do you consider yourself when you reflect, do you consider yourself an alcoholic Were you, are you a recovering alcoholic? It's a fantastic question. Love, I love that question. For the purposes of AA, yeah, yeah. I will say yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because that's 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 kind of the the program, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And al- alcoholic is is purely a label. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's sure. all it is. Like yeah, yeah. you know, and and it's so. What I would consider myself is is somebody who drinking was getting in the way of me living the life that I want. Right. It doesn't matter to me what what you define that as. You know, I can define that if, if that's my definition as an alcoholic. Sure, um, you know, because I don't really know like, what does an alcoholic really mean. It's something I really sat with. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's really a label um, that means what you want it to mean. And so that's the definition that I came up with. Yeah. So in the context of this conversation, you know, when I think about alcoholism, and it, this is what this conversation is about. But I'm just, but I am curious, and I'll share a little bit of my about my story, but. When alcohol, when you when you drink, and you know it's the it's the case of one's too many and a hundred isn't enough. You know that define to me is like okay, in in my very limited sense of alcoholism, that's what it would define. So, can you have a beer today, or would you have a beer today, or a drink, or you just shut right down? So where I'm at today is I just choose not to. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's a choice. That's, yeah, not to. it's a choice. It's yeah, a yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and this is that this is for me like. And another a big subject I'm super passionate about today is is is, is, is sobriety and yep. what does sobriety actually mean? Yeah. And you know if you look at like sobriety as this as this thing where on one end you have addiction, you know, where somebody's addicted, and the other end you have total abstinence. Those are both bad places to be. And not bad. They're not ideal places to be because abstinence is like, oh my god, I can't do anything because I'm going to go off the rails. Mm-hmm. And Addiction is, is, oh my God, this is getting in my life, in a way of me living my life. To me, sobriety is, is the place in the middle that is like, I have a choice. Yeah. You know, I can, I can choose either to do this or not do this. It's the moment by moment in my life. And that's, it's, it's applicable to this concept of like drinking and stuff, but I think it's also applicable to just life in general. Mm-hmm. You know, like what I aspire to today is to have a life where 
I have a choice. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not compelled. And that, that, that comes back to this conversation, I guess, about, about truth, you know, and alignment, you know, when I'm sharing my truth and that's out there in the world and I, I feel like I'm aligned, there's no deeper compulsion where I feel like, oh my God, I, I, I have to do this. Otherwise, if I don't do this, they're going to think this of me because they don't know this, right? You know, this, this underlying story that can be there. And I, by no means have that nailed by any stretch of the imagination. There's still, still things I'm I do I'm way in my older life. than you and I still don't have it nailed either. So I don't think you ever <laughs> yeah. get it nailed. But, but that's, I mean, for me, that's the aspiration is it's like, you know, it's, it's to make these decisions from a, a, a centered place where I'm really choosing this um, and to be clear on why. Well, I think, you know, in, in the reason I asked the question is, you know, back in my younger life, you know, probably in that 30 year old, well, even maybe younger, but there was a time in my life where like it was, I was drinking. I mean, it was a party. It was like, we were at that age. Everything was like overindulged. It was crazy. And at one point I finally just went, gosh, I wonder if I'm like, is this, am I being an alcoholic? Like, am I, like I was actually questioning myself. And this was, of course, you know, like I say, back when I was probably, I don't even, I would have been maybe 30 when I kind of peaked. And, yeah. and I asked myself that question and then I just quit. Yeah. Like I just quit, but I didn't go through withdrawals. I didn't go through stress. I actually was able to go to the bar with guys and hang out and, and I had no attachment to a drink. And then for years, if I had a half a dozen drinks a year, that was like, you know, sometimes you go to the doctor's office and they go, and how often do you have alcoholic beverage? I go, I don't even know the last time I drank it. So it's like that. And, yeah. and so it's, it's an interesting, that's the reason I ask. It was like, I okay. was questioning whether, and I, and I know as I worked with coaching clients, you know, it's like, are you, is it alcoholism? Or are you just trying to, to your point, which you started out, which is a disconnect from my life. Now, as we get into COVID and everybody's got all this additional stress of lockdowns and all the shit that's going on, it's like lots of people, they don't, alcohol is like <laughs> running pretty free flow, right? It's people yeah. are drinking more. Alcoholic sales, alcohol sales are up. Uh, drug sales are up. Uh, prescription drugs are up. Everything is yeah. up. It's like, there is a point. And, and I, and, you know, I look at it and say, Man, now every time I go, do I want a glass of wine? I'm asking myself, do I really want a glass of wine? Why do I want a glass of wine? Like, that's just how my brain fires, right? It's like, yeah. no, maybe just no. Let's just say no. <laughs> yeah. And to that point, so you, you know, when you asked me, do today, you know, would I just have a, a glass of wine or whatever? And I, and I, and I choose not to. And the reason is exactly that. I ask myself why, mm -hmm. like, you know, why, why am I, why would I choose to have this? And I can't really come up with a good reason. Yeah. You yeah. know, like that's uh, other than I want to disconnect. Like that's, that's usually for me what, what, I mean, that's, that's every time. I think yeah. that's ultimately the answer, you know, and it's, it's not to make anything wrong because I still drink wine and I still overindulge occasionally, yeah. but it's like, I, I remember a, a good friend of mine who was very serious as an alcoholic and uh, had hit bottom. Lots of things were going on. So I supported him as he kind of stepped into his sobriety. But I went to, at the time was ADAC, which was an alcohol and drug abuse center, and they do some education. And I went to a thing where he was speaking to a group of people, whatever you call those back in those days. So crazy. A meeting. A meeting. Yeah, yeah a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't like it wasn't an AA meeting. But anyways, yeah. the point was he stood up there and he goes, you know, he's asking the, the profound question, why do people drink? And he goes, you know, they'll say, well, I just love the taste of beer and I love the taste of that wine and I love that. And he goes, it's all bullshit. 
although that's true, that's not why you drink. You drink because even one drink changes your physiology and whether you're aware of it or not, that's what happens and that's why people drink. So I went, okay, well, that's a pretty broad blanket statement, but I went, that kind of makes sense, right? Otherwise, who cares, really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so interesting topic. I, I, I wanted to go there a little bit with you because I wanted to give some background because really, uh, you know, as I've, as, as I've observed your journey from a distance and as we sit here today, you're in Bali and, um, and you got there via your boat. And there's been a lot of ocean stuff going on in, in living this, you know, life that you've, you know, you've taken on, being true to yourself, adventure. You're now landed after how long on the ocean? A couple of years? I mean, it's not like you didn't go into land, but you've been floating around for how long? Four and a half, four and a half years. Four and a half years. And then you said, four, no. and, four, four and a half years. Goes, it goes fast. <laughs> we, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we started with, uh, you know, let's try this for three months. That was, that was where we started. And, yeah. and that turned into, Hey, that was fun. Let's do it for a year and see how that goes. And that turned into, Oh, let's do it for another year. And four and a half years later, we're now back on land in, in Bali. So let's, let's just take a little bit of a kind of a down memory lane. Where did you, uh, you know, where did you take off from? Where did you leave from? Yeah. So we, we bought the boat in new Caledonia. Yeah which uh, I didn't know where that was before we bought the boat there. It's an island. It's a French-controlled uh, territory in the, the South Pacific, basically between Fiji and Australia. And we bought the boat there. And uh, the, the, first, the first offshore trip I did was, uh, it's, it's just so basically cyclone season happens in the Pacific starting in around November, December. And you need to leave the Pacific to stay safe. Some people stay, but it's safer to leave uh, and, and sail either to New Zealand or Australia. Both of those sails are five to six day sails, uh, like nonstop just sailing. I'd never sailed offshore in, in, in my life before. Um, and we bought this boat in, in September and Nova, you know, it was rolling around. And I was like, okay, I got to get this boat to New Zealand. And in my infinite wisdom, I found uh, three buddies who'd never boated before in their life at all. Um, brought them with me to the boat and we sailed it from New Cal to New Zealand for six days. That was, that was, that was the first trip. <laughs> so Chris, okay. So what have you got a manual in front of you? You got, you know, sailing for dummies. What do you, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> sailing for dummies would be good. Um, I, I did a lot of reading, you know, like I, uh, I, I, I'm a big, I'm a big researcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to like read about stuff and research things. And, um, that is, you know, the part of this, uh, this dichotomy of why I stay so in my head so much is I'd love, I love to be in my head and reading and learning and stuff. So I, I did a ton of reading, uh, and that, that was basically it. I just researched and researched and researched. And, and at some point you can only learn so much through books. You got to take action to figure it out and figure out how it really works. And so we went to new Cal and, and what we did was I had a plan, you know, I was like, okay, we're going to show up. And we had, you know, the crossing six days we had, I think, we had a lot, I had basically had an indefinite amount of time to, to, to make it. I didn't set a timeline that I had to be there by a certain date um, because I knew through the boating experience I had, power boating experience in Vancouver, that the that, that's when you get in trouble, when you have to be there by a certain date because that's when you start to make pressured decisions uh, and you, you you start to do things you normally wouldn't do because there's this, this time crunch. And so, so basically I said, okay, look, we're going to go to New Cal. These guys don't know really anything about boats. 
Um, I don't know how to sail offshore, but what we're going to do is we're going to go sailing every day. Uh, and we're just going to get used to the boat and we're going to take it, you know, a little for like out a little bit, come back out a little bit and, and come back. And of course you can't like go that far out. Cause you know, you won't be able to get back in the same day, but, um, we, well, that's what we did. You know, we did went you, and, and you, we, well, did you think to load up a captain and somebody who could kind of take you, did you do any of that? Or did you just say, no, I'm going to figure shit out I, on my own. I thought about it. Yeah. I thought about yeah. it. And, and, and the, the another layer to this story actually is I had a, a good friend of mine. He was an experienced sailor and he was supposed to come on the trip. And two weeks before the trip, he pulled the pin and said, I don't want to go. He, he got scared. Basically there's this crossing, um, new Calvin, New Zealand is it's a bit of a notorious crossing. Like it, it just because like 20 years ago, there was a big storm and a bunch of people had to get rescued. And, and I, I did a lot of reading around that. And I realized that the, the reason that happened is weather forecasting 20 years ago sucked compared right. to what it's like today. You know, today it's very good. And so I did a few other things, you know, to, to stay, to, to mitigate the risk. Uh, one of them was I hired a professional meteorologist because that was the big, you know, I identified the big risk here is weather. You know, yeah. sailing a boat is, is, is one thing, but when the weather turns to crap, that's when you can get in big trouble. Yeah. And so I hired a meteorologist and I was blown away by how cheap it is to hire your own personal meteorologist. It was like, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this guy's my own personal weatherman. Like this is unreal. And it was like 70 bucks for the right. whole time. You know, like, <laughs> like why doesn't it, why doesn't everybody do this? Why is there any weather problems? You right. know? Um, but anyway, so I hired this guy so we, we were figuring out how to sail the boat, you know, one day at a time, just going out and learning. And then I hired this guy basically to pick the day to leave. That was what I wanted help with. Cause that's where you need help because it's, it's five to six days to New Zealand. The weather forecast, as far as reading models is accurate out to like three days. It's pretty accurate, like almost 90%, I would say. Then it starts to drop off. And so that's where you need a professional to be able to anticipate the last three days of the trip. Yep. So I hired this guy and he's like, uh, you know, we've been doing the sailing and he's like, yeah, this is the day, Chris, this is a day, you know, this is the good day to go. Uh, it looks like, you know, something it might, might turn up, but if it does, you're going to go this way instead of this way and, and it should be all good. And so, you know, that day came and it was like, okay, it's time to go. And, uh, and, and, and so I had, it was me and three friends. It was supposed to be me and four friends. One had already dropped. Then it was me and three friends. And then literally the day we're leaving, uh, one of the guys is like, oh, Chris, I got this really bad stomach flu. Like, I think I think I got to go to the hospital. And so he got off the boat. So in the end, it was just me and two guys. And and we left and and, and did the trip. How, so, long did, uh, how long did it take you to do the trip? Basically six days. Yeah. Like just, just under six days. Great. Yeah. Uneventful. You learned a lot or... Not nothing major it, eventful. It, yeah, it was eventful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it I mean sailing offshore is always eventful, but nothing like nothing catastrophic, nothing yeah, yeah. that you couldn't deal with, that I couldn't deal with. Uh, you know, it really sailing in that way really is a good lesson on living your life one moment at a time, you know, and dealing with challenges one step at a time. Uh, because yeah, things happen. Like we we middle of the ocean, like we had run into some not terrible weather, but like some headwinds and it was not so good. And, uh, take, we took the sail down, but the, one of the guys forgot to clutch the main halyard, which is the rope that raises the sail up the mast. And it got all wrapped around the mast. And so when we finally had calmed ourselves down and decided to start sailing again, we went back outside and this ropes wrapped all the way around the mast. And we're like, Oh man, like, what do we, how do we deal with this? You know? And 
and in the end, like I had to get the little chair that you sit in and they, they, we put another rope on me and hoisted me up the mast in the middle of the ocean. And it was, yeah. So there was, there was lots of good stories and, and fun stuff, but it was, you know, it was doable. It so was where, doable. Where, where did Sayo meet you then? So we sailed the boat to New Zealand. Yeah. So uh, Mia, my daughter had been born in October. Right. And so, or September, end of September. So, so I had left just shortly after she was born, did this sail to get the boat to New Zealand. Then I flew back to Vancouver. Uh, and then we packed up some stuff and we all flew to New Zealand to, to get on the boat in, in New Zealand. <laughs> so yeah. Mia was just, a, a, an infant, a baby when yeah. you got on the boat. So yeah, she, four months old. Four months old. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So she learned to walk on a boat. So she's probably she's really great at sea legs kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So are you starting to feel good about the decisions you've made? Are you now second guessing it? Are you going, am I lo- like, I've just lost my mind. What have I done? You know, where are you in that kind of when story? When we went at this, at this time, you mean, we've got yeah. to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I'll tell you, so when we, when we, when we left New Cal and, you know, it, sailing is kind of slow, right? It, it's like, <laughs> you're not moving very fast. Um, and it took us like six, seven hours to get out of sight of land. But that first moment that I looked around the boat and I couldn't see land was uh, indes- like, I can't describe the feeling. Like it, right. it was just like, you know, it was a dream of mine, you know, and it was like, man, I'm doing this. You know, I was, I was, pumped. I was so stoked. And, uh, I talked to a friend of mine who'd done, who, who we actually bought the boat from. And I was telling him, I'm like, dude, I feel like, I feel like, you know, like, like Sir Francis Drake or like, or like Captain Cook, sure, yeah. you know, like, you know, I feel like I'm on this epic expedition into the unknown. Like, um, and that's, you know, and that, that, so, so that, that was amazing. That felt so good. And yeah. And then when we moved, I, I came back to Vancouver and then we came onto the boat in, in New Zealand. And yeah, we were feeling good. We were feeling really good. We were like, you know, this is, it felt, yeah, it felt really like the right direction to be going. It was, yeah, it was great. Now, so as, as you traveled around, you did some island hopping, you, you visited many places, you started a YouTube, I don't know if it was a YouTube channel or what did you do? The YouTube channel. And you did Uh, what the family circus? Give me, is it, it was it the family circus you called it? I don't remember. Yeah. Originally I called it the family circus. Now it's just my name, uh, crispy is but it was family circus adventures is, is what it was, what it was originally. And, uh, yeah, I just, the motivation behind that was first and foremost, I just wanted to, to document it for us. You know, it, it was like, you know, Mia was little and like, we were like, one of the greatest things about this was the time that I got to spend with them, you know, with my family. Like it was like, I, it was, it was just looking back on it now, you know, that's one of the things I'm most, I'm most grateful for is I got to spend four years of Mia's life with her a whole bunch. And, and so, yeah, that's the YouTube channel kind of came out of that. It was like, Hey, like, let's, let's document this. And you did some great stuff, dude. It was really, really good. I think you nailed it lots of times. And I thought it was it was really great. Like I, I was happy to follow your story and and follow some of the stuff that you were posting. And and I know for you it was also part of, you know, sharing your journey and sharing your your journey of self-discovery. And and that I think it's to me it was great because it's not just you, it's just not somebody talking about it, but it's actually you went from 
you know, one kind of, you really went extreme. You know, some people would look at it and go, dude, yeah. that's so extreme, right? You know, you many, go, many, many people have told me that. Yeah. <laughs> you're insane. You're insane. <laughs> but, but you know, something, the, the reality of it is, is that, you know, you now went on your journey and, and I know that it hasn't been easy because none of this shit is easy. I mean, let's face it. It's, it's not easy. I mean, even living that lifestyle as cool as it is, you know, your shrink, your world is really small when you're on a boat and there's an inherent safety factor and you've got family and kids and all the things that are happening there. So I do really know that, you know, those are not easy decisions. And that's a, also a, a weight to carry as you're going through this whole process, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, living on a boat and sail- like actively living and cruising a boat around the world is a full time job. Like it, uh, I, I, I learned that, you know, I, I, I'd watch some, some sailing channels on YouTube and stuff before I went, they do two things. And, and, and this is what I tried to do with my channel is not do these things uh, as much. I wanted to share more of like the behind the scenes of what this is really like, mm-hmm. because you can, they tend to either over dramatize what's going on. You know, so it's like, uh, oh man, we were in this crazy storm and like, we almost sank and oh, it's crazy. And like, that doesn't really happen either like uh and then on the flip side it's like oh this is amazing we're on all these tropical beaches all the time like like sipping margaritas and girls are running around in bikinis and like you know it's it's shangri-la like you know and that's 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 not the truth either you know there's the truth is in the middle right where it's 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 in some ways it's very much just like living life (laughs) like you know you're just Living it's life, not a boat. <laughs> it's not a boat, you know, and, and you got the same family yeah. challenges that yeah. come up, the same challenges with your spouse, you know, the same challenges with kids. And yeah, and I remember too, is that you know, no different. I mean, you crash into a rock, you you know, you bust the hull in, hull in your boat, and you have to yeah. fix it, right? No different than yeah. running into a post in your parking lot and you know, yeah. grinding up your car. The only difference is, is that you're fixing it or at least participating in the repair of your boat. And that was a cool story too, along the way around that, but you're doing the mechanical and you're doing all sorts of stuff around it. So as we get into this a little bit, I know that listeners are going to be wondering, okay, how are you paying for all this shit? Like, how are you making a living? Are you making a living? Is the, or is the cost of living just so low that you, you don't have to generate a lot of revenue? Is that your real estate background? Is that was just your financial planning before you kind of went off on this journey, give us a little bit of background there, if you could, Chris. Yeah, no problem. So it it's primarily it's the cost of living. That's and I think that's the most perhaps misunderstood thing about this lifestyle of, of sailing around is uh, I've I've had a lot of people that have commented and messaged me and said I'd love to do what you're doing, but I'm not a millionaire. Yeah, you know, like I don't and 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 the, and the truth is, it's like. Do you want to you say, Chris, to does Chris want to say, okay, have you noticed my wardrobe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Flip and t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the truth is, it's like you can, I, I have friends that live this, this lifestyle for less than 500 bucks a month, right. you know, but that they're living it on a, on a shoestring and that's, 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 you know, it's, it's even more challenging in, in some ways. So it, it does cost money to live any kind of lifestyle. I think the first year that we did this, we spent 80 grand is what we spent, you know, which, which was a lot of money in, in the first year, considering we weren't making an income yeah. in, in that first year. Our plan had been, uh, so I sold my business, 
Sayo, Sayo sold her business. She had uh, a real estate team uh, and she sold that. And, and we sold a, a house. And that all combined, we had a, a, decent, a decent nest egg of, of savings. Mm-hmm. And then the plan was to be able to live off of some in, in, uh, income from some of our real estate because our real estate at that point had been generating income. Um, as luck would have it, where our real estate was, the market kind of took a bit of a dip, literally the instant we made this decision to go and do this. And it was, it was like, and some of, some of the stuff turned negative. And and so it was one of the like expense items instead (laughs) of one of the, uh, one of the, one of the income, income, yeah. Income generating, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's like, whatever, like we're still paying the mortgage down on those properties and like, and we're still holding them. And, and the plan had never been to rely on that anyway. It mm-hmm. was just like, Hey, this could be an added bonus yeah. in general. It's just the, the cost of living. And, and we did some things here and there. Like I was doing a little bit of coaching to make a little bit of money and you can offset costs. One of the, one of the things I enjoyed the most actually is you can offset costs by, we would take crew. They, there's this website sure. called find, find a crew. Um, and it's basically, uh, my my fate, like sweet spot of these people is basically like a dating app for people like that are looking for boats, like sailors looking for boats, not not to like date on the boat, but like sailors looking for boats. That's how it's set up. Yeah. And my sweet spot was people that couples in their in their like mid thirties that were basically taking a break, you know, that were like, hey, I want to go and experience something else. And we would take them on the boat, and they would pay a little bit of money to uh, offset expenses, and you know, we share this experience with them. And we had, we made some amazing friends doing oh, that. Bet. You know, we, we had, we had a couple couples that were on the boat for uh, like three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that was unreal. So yeah, the, the biggest thing was, is it's not that expensive by, you know, our expenses came down every year as I learned more. The problem was, you know, I, I, my, I, I'm a bit stubborn, you know, you asked in the beginning, Hey, I just, as you can probably tell, I just went and did this trip and I, I probably could have hired a captain, but I was like, you know, I don't want to, I want to do it myself, you know, and I'm a bit stubborn. And so as a result, I think I, I, I spent more money than I needed to in the earlier years. If I had actually gone and and hired like, you know, somebody who knew specific, who had done this before, I probably could have saved a little bit of money or a lot of money. I know that because year after year, as I learned more, our expenses came down. And because I wasn't making as many mistakes, I was making better decisions. I knew how to fix things on the boat rather than hiring somebody to fix them. And by last year, by this year in Indonesia, we were a family of four living for less than 1300 bucks a month uh, and, and living a, a very good lifestyle. Like that's like, you know, eating out, getting massages, like whatever. <laughs> now you're living in, in Bali right now and cost of living in Bali is pretty, pretty inexpensive. Yeah. And you've got a great property that you're living on. Are you doing some work there or are, are you living the life of, you know, semi-retired? What do you got going on yeah, in the Valley? It's, it's a good question. I mean, and so this is this was part of the reason for the income piece, you know. So we were living off savings, which is which is fine, you know. I think that it, that uh it was a it was it was a you know, it got us to where we are living off savings. And, and throughout this time, there's always this bit like, oh, I'm spending my savings. There's a bit of anxiety around that for me because I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be for my retirement, you know? But um, I'm like, well, I might as well spend it now and have fun. But I'd always had, both Sio and I had had in the back of our heads that we want to, to keep working. You know, we want to start a business again. Um, and this was like a kind of a, 
a break. You know, it was space. It was a long period of space in our lives to spend time together and to get clear on going forward. And, and so a big part of coming to Bali was to dig into that. So what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm, I'm probably about four weeks away from launching a, a masterclass on how to buy a boat and sail the world cool. basically, or how to, how to start your own sailing adventure. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what I'm working on now. Well, you know, we got, like, hey, we got look- lots of Ray members of sale, like lots. So when we we'll push this out, get them into sign up for your masterclass. Yeah, so that's that that's the thing now. And so yeah, and I am making an income again coaching. Um, Sayo's started her own coaching practice. Uh, so we're both we're both making an income again now. Yeah, Bali is like unreal the cost of living like what what you what you can live for and 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 what the value you get for that here is 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 incredible especially right now uh you know with 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 covid um, what is what has covid done just out of curiosity how's covid affected what's going on in bali it's decimated the economy yeah like it's tourism it's completely just killed it, yeah. Right? yeah what else drives the economy in bali other than tourism it's, really it's, primarily tourism yeah. like they're they're like i read some stats somewhere that it's like 80 percent reliant on tourism the yeah. economy so yeah, yeah. there's really nothing else yeah it's it's sad you know like there's a lot of people we have the place here we have the boat here you know we're trying to hire people to as much as we can to to help people out but um it's yeah there's just no money coming in yeah. to, the, to the country so yeah. it's tough yeah 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 so Let's go back a little bit, you know, in terms of what you and Sayo have done as a couple. I mean, I'm sure that you've been tested along the way, you know, as couples are. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> your vision that she bought into and uh, probably no regrets. But I'm I'm sure that there was some times along the way that it was like, what the hell? Did I just sign up for how I, and I'm, I'm joking about that a little bit, but how did you, as a couple, did you really have to work at evolving and communicating and how did that all kind of pan out for you, Chris? Great question. I love it. It's another thing that I, I, I really love talking about is relationships. I find them fascinating. Um, uh, we, so we were fortunate that uh, we did a lot of this kind of figuring out how to communicate work and and establishing a foundation of our relationship when I kind of fell apart. Um, you know, like when I when I fell apart and I was like, uh, you know, I've got all these problems with my life and and um, you know that 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 caused some real problems. And I started sharing my truth and things like that caused some real challenges in our relationship. Um, and so we, we actually went and, uh, uh, and saw a, a relationship therapist at that time. And we did that for almost a year, uh, because it was, it was just, I found it, we both found it so valuable, mm-hmm. um, to, and, and really established a solid foundation. Uh, and I think that that's, that kind of foundation is, is what, what really made the fact that we were able to do this together possible. You know, if we didn't have that, I think it would have been, I mean, I've seen it in the sailing world. Unfortunately, there's couples that start sailing and a year later they're splitting up and selling the boat because that foundation isn't there. Mm -hmm. It's a quick, quick story on this. So when we, we bought the boat and uh, I was like, 
kind of having second thoughts because it was a bit of, you know, it was a scary thing. I'm like, oh, maybe we, like, maybe I should just, we should just like start another business. Like we'd already, I like sold some stuff and I'm like, maybe we shouldn't do this, you know? And, 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 and she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I want to do this. Like, let's go. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like she was, she was on board. She was 100 and, 20% 20% on board by that point, you know, there was earlier stages where, where it was, it was a bit like, Oh, do we do this or not? But when we went to new Cal and we decided to buy the boat, I think when she kind of came on that boat, we, we, we were fortunate in that we bought the boat from a family that had sailed it across the, the Pacific from San Francisco. And we spent a lot of time with them and they shared all their stories. And, and that really landed for Sio this like family time. And so yeah, so she she was on board. But when it came to actually starting and sailing, she realized quite quickly she didn't like the passage making. So she didn't like the like the six day trips or like she like she did one and was like, I, I don't want to do this, you know. And and that was that was kind of my fault uh, because that the one the first one that she did. She was still breastfeeding Mia, and so she couldn't take seasick pills. What kind of husband um, are you? Uh, terrible, terrible, <laughs> like, <laughs> terrible. So, so don't think of these things, you know. I'm like, sure. um, yeah, you can deal with it. It's fine, you know. Suck um, it up, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. She she puts up with me. I'm super grateful for it. Um, but uh, yeah, so she. But so what we did is it's solvable. You know, all these things are solvable. So all the long passages, she just she just flew. I would I would sail the boat with this crew and we'd make a little bit of money there. And 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 she would stay in a place either in one of the locations and she would fly and meet the boat mm-hmm. um, for the long stuff. And then when we were in in the country, she would no problem sail around and she would do passages up to about three days. Anything longer than three days, she was like, forget it, get me off this thing. I'm gonna fly. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Was Sayo be likely to take the boat out on her own? Like, is she equipped to sail that boat on her own? Does she say, you stay home? She could, but she doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're sailing. You've got Mia. You've got Sayo. And you've got Sao's daughter or son? I don't remember. Daughter. Daughter. Aya. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So when you're on your trip and you've got all this going on, safety's a concern. Any close calls? <laughs> close cl- like no not in the sense of like oh my god we almost died yeah, yeah. uh no nothing 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 even close so to you're that. paying it's, attention it's... you've got your your weatherman your own personal weatherman over the years and you're tapping in you're you're understanding that so you're playing it safe all along yeah conservative yeah yeah conservative being being conservative i mean you, you can push a boat um it, it doesn't make sense to push a boat offshore mm-hmm. uh it's just that the consequences are are uh are deadly. Well, literally. Well, they literally, so, and, yeah. and it kicks the crap yeah. out of your boat too. Like it, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah you break stuff. Yeah. yeah, you break yeah that's stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. There's no point. In yeah. Doing so that. It, no, no, no super close calls. I mean, there's, there's definitely moments where I was scared yeah, yeah. Uh, and we were scared. I mean, that I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat that and, yeah. and say that it's not a, a fear does not come up in yeah. offshore sailing. It, yeah. it definitely does. But I, I always felt like I was in control. Mm-hmm. If like, I felt like, like I may have felt like, oh my God, I'm not, I don't see the end of getting out of this situation, but I know the next thing to do to get me towards getting out of this situation. Sure. So, so answer me this question. You're got, you know, because you're often out in the middle of the ocean on your own by yourself, but I also recognize that 
you're quite social, like you're, you're sociable. I'll put it that way. So where do you sit in the world of, you know, are you as a couple or as individuals, introvert, extrovert, omnivert? Like, where do you sit in that world? Do you get like, I need to meet some people. I got to talk to people. I think another one of the maybe common misconceptions of sailing is it's, it's a, um, it's not a social activity. Like you're kind of on your own out, out on the ocean. Uh, and it's the tightest community of people that I've ever belonged to. I get it. And you're always on the radio and everybody's kind of watching each other's back, but you're stopping and you're meeting people on islands and stuff. I'm assuming that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. So I, I, 90% of sailing is spent at anchor. Mm. (laughs) Like that's, that's, That's you know, you, we focus on these, these trips and these passages, but like 90% of it is spent at anchor, you know, hanging out with other people, fixing the boat or, uh, <laughs> in a port or, somewhere generally. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or just, or just, or just an, at anchor in a bay or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and what we did particularly because we have kids, uh, is we found, this is one of the biggest things that surprised me when we started sailing is the amount of families that are actually doing this mm. and more and more and more and more families are doing it, which is why I'm, I, I've decided to create this course because there's more, it's becoming more and more accessible to, to do this. It's becoming easier to do because of the technology available. Sure. Uh, and so I was, I was completely surprised by how many families were doing it. And what we would do is, you know, find families that had a similar style of sailing to what we wanted to do. And were similarly, uh, you know, we had interests with them mm-hmm. and we would sail with them. Mm-hmm. And one family we sailed with for almost 18 months. Wow. Uh, and, and so when you're, and, and, and sailing it, you know, sailing is a bit different than like when you have friends in, in, let's say like back in my old life, you know, I'd have friends, but I go to work and then I come home when you're sailing, you, you spend almost every day with these people for at least an hour or two, sometimes more every day. So you get to know them really, really well. And they almost become like family. And so that was one of the biggest rewarding things about this is, is I've got friends now that are like literally family. Now I would, I would say that. They live in all these different areas of the world. Some of them are still sailing, some aren't. But I, you know, we get on the phone together, and it's like we're, you know, we're we're brothers or sisters or or, or whatever, and and hanging out. So meaningful relationships that got created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Super, super. And you really, you know, when you spend that much time with somebody, it's it's impossible to just stay on the surface. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're, you just you can't. <laughs> it would be pretty quiet if that's just where yeah. you hung up. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So you uh, tell me a little bit about some of your skills. So you got sailing skills, you got some mechanical skills. You're a bit of, I don't know if this is the right term, uh, but you're a bit of a free diver. You're, I, I know yeah. that you're equipped to use tanks, but you're, and you've done that. You've done wetsuit, dry suit kind of stuff. I think you, as I recall, you and your father used to dive together and, and do dry suit stuff, which uh, to me was just way too much work. Like there was just, like I looked at, training for dry suits and i went yeah there's just not enough juice for the squeeze there that's a lot of work <laughs> to go down for a, a short period of time anyway that that's that aside you're a bit of a free diver you go deep you like you got you've got you hold your breath for a good long time and then mm-hmm. you go deep now how long can you hold your breath for these days i can hold my breath static like so just in a pool not moving mm-hmm. for five minutes and 35 seconds yeah and then what about when you're expending energy going deeper? I've never actually Time blacked deep. out on a dive, so I don't <laughs> okay. know what my my, that, uh, my, my actual, my, my max is. is, is um, but, 
<laughs> that's how you would figure it out. Yeah, you know, it's like, you where are you going to black out? <laughs> um, so but the deepest, like the longest I've done is two minutes and two minutes and 25 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a 50 meter dive. And is everybody on the surface freaking out going, where the hell is he? Is he coming up? No. So I, I did, I did that dive in a, in a, in a competition in Cayman. Okay. Uh, and, and it, free diving you know is not again it's not a super dangerous activity no. uh as long as you have the right safety in place so for that dive there was there was uh there was four people doing safety for me mm-hmm. um so one guy with an underwater scooter that was going the whole way down as i was going down and up mm-hmm. um and then one person on the surface and then two people that meet me a third of the way up and swim up with me mm-hmm. um so they're all, yeah, they, they weren't really freaking out. They were all stoked. <laughs> they're all, yeah, go. <laughs> now, now, I know there's some really cool training going on. There's some some really cool training that's available. Uh, and I'm trying to think, I can't think of his name right now, but he does some training where he's he actually gets just pretty, like he, I mean, the illustration he was using was some celebrities that he trained, but they're up to four and a half minutes that he, that he was able to train them to hold their breath. So did you do some advanced training in that regard, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I, I actually am a trained freedive instructor. Yeah, um, okay. So I, I trained, uh, I trained through an organization called uh, PFI Performance Freediving. They're actually yeah. based out of Vancouver. The guy's yeah. Kirk Crack, yeah. great guy. Uh, he now trains uh, like Hollywood guys. He works. Yeah. He worked on the um, the the Avatar sequels. Uh, super, super cool, super cool stuff. So that's yeah, I trained through that, and I did I did a lot of training through that. But it's it, it is possible. It's one of these interesting things that. I can take somebody who's probably had, who's had zero experience free diving, they can come into a weekend class and within that class, I'll get them to almost everybody can get to at least three minutes of a breath hold, at least three minutes holding your breath. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. It's very interesting training. So, and you had some great, you know, you got some great video captures of you going down. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It looks, have you done it? I've done some, but not to the extent you have. And Okay. And and just because of my background, I I grew up swimming and and diving and doing certain things. But so I, I've always had an interest in it, and I've always kind of tested myself. But I've never had any real formal training and stuff. I'll tell I'll share okay. a story. Another time was where I did I ran out of air uh, on a on a scuba dive, and goofy story. But anyways, um, and I was I don't know I was like twenty five meters I think something like that. And it was interesting. I didn't know at that time, just when you run out of air, how quick it goes away. It's like, oh, I think I'm running out of air. Holy shit, I'm out of air. <laughs> it's like, what just happened there, right? So it was uh, an interesting experience, which uh, I, I came to appreciate. I never felt in danger in any way uh, because I, the, the, I was down with an instructor. I was taking an advanced diving course. And my instructor, what I kind of tapped on in the tank and he came over. He he actually thought I was giving him. I was giving him a no air signal. He thought I was confused and and like because he's going like I've never seen anybody run out of air who's as chill as you are. Like I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you see a turtle? What, like, like I'm out of air, man. <laughs> anyways, he goes. There's like your eyes were like you weren't panicked. I, I don't know. That's probably part of training too. So, anyways, I've had that experience. Okay, so. Some more. I want to talk to you a little bit more. Tell me about the okay. biggest fish you ever caught. <laughs> uh, marlin. 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 Yeah. And, and, and great, great time. Actually, my 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 dad is a massively huge fisherman. Like he's, yeah. he's obsessed with fishing and he goes salmon fishing all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's he he's the uh he was our most frequent guest on the boat. One of the other interesting things about you know, I think okay, we're gonna go sailing and 
you know, we, we've got a catamaran, we've got four, four, four berths on the boat for people to come stay. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, you know, we're going to have friends and family uh, coming to stay a whole bunch. That didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it didn't happen. But my dad, my dad was the one who just, you know, he, he took advantage of this wholeheartedly. I think mm-hmm. he came twice a year, every year that we were, we were sailing. Wow. And this, this fish story, uh, I, so prior to this, I caught two yellowfin tuna, massive, but I never landed them. You know, one, I, two and a half hours, one middle of the ocean. We stopped sailing everything, fought the fish for two and a half hours, got it to the back of the boat, gone another time, same thing. And then, uh, then my dad came and, and we were out, uh, in Papua New Guinea and it was like just before dark and we hooked this Marlin, uh, and my dad got it. He, he, he reeled it in. I drove the boat because when you got a fish that big, you got to drive, you yeah. have to literally like chase the fish around. I don't know if you've done any offshore <laughs> yeah, fishing, yes, but yeah, yeah, you got to chase it. <laughs> so I drove the boat and he reeled the fish in and, uh, yeah, it was, it was super cool. It was super cool to be able to share that with him. Coolest place you've been to on your trip. I, that might be a hard question, but if you were to <laughs> say, because <laughs> you've been to some cool places, but yeah, share with me. Coolest place in the sense of like a completely different world, like just, uh, just a, literally a different a different way of living is uh, an island called Utapua that's in the southern Solomon Islands, and they have uh, nothing in, as far as material sense is concerned. Uh, the only the only access they have so there's no cell phones, there's no cell phone tower. They don't even have a radio to radio outside. Uh, the only access they have to the outside world is, is a cargo ship that comes once every six months. And it, 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 but you can only, as a, as a person who lives there, it's not really meaningful unless you have money to buy stuff and they don't really have money to buy stuff because there's no jobs on the Island, you know? So, so no access. And then the only other access is, is boats like ours that, that come through and they only get between three and five boats a year. And they had never gotten a boat with kids before when we showed up uh and we showed up with ourselves and a family we were sailing with so in total there was uh, at that time aya was not with us she was back in canada with her dad so there was four kids um three kids on our friend's boat and, and mia and they never seen never seen kids and never seen you know mia was two or two and a half at that time and that it was it was amazing like it, this place was subsistence agricultural is how they live. They just grow what they ate. But these were, I made a video about them. Um, they were, you know, among some of the happiest people I've ever met in my life and they've got nothing, you know, and so generous. Like they, you know, they would come row out, they have dugout canoes. So they would come and row out to the boat in the morning and their dugout canoes and give you a coconut for your breakfast. Cause that's what they eat for their breakfast. And yeah, they just, you know, they give you, if you ask, they give you the shirt off their back and the shirt off their back is like the only thing they have, mm-hmm. um, you know? And, and so it was, it was, we spent two weeks, two weeks in this place, which was at that time was a long time to, to, to spend somewhere. Cause we were trying to get through an area before the weather changed, but that we just love this place so much. We stayed there. And one of the, one of the things that we did on this trip that I really, I'm, I'm, I'm happy we did in, in hindsight and really grateful for is, is we, so this place is in the Solomons and we'd stopped in Vanuatu and, and bought this massive bale of, uh, of used clothes. Uh, that's like, they get old clothes from Australia and New Zealand. They send them to Vanuatu and they sell them by the kilo, uh, these bales of clothes. And we bought a big bale and brought it with us. 
and uh, we were able to, you know, to give these guys some clothes. And we also had, I had done a, I had done like a little drive to get masks and snorkels for people uh, before we came. So a bunch of people donated masks and snorkels and I was able to buy some. And in a village like this, if you give these guys a mask and snorkel, it's like giving them a gold bar. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're like, because they can then take that and they can go fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, they can, they can go out, they can, they can provide for themselves. And so, yeah, like they were super hospitable to us. And so we were like, okay, you know, we want to give back to them and, and help. And, and we just had this really great kind of uh, symbiotic, you know, r- relationship where they learned from us. Like we, they came on the boat and they're like, wow, this is so cool. And like, just, but not, not in like the sense of like, like they just like of like a material sense of, oh, what a cool boat. But yeah. like, they were interested in the lifestyle. They're fascinated you know, they're like, so, by that. Yeah. Yeah, the I lifestyle. They're like, so what do you, you know, how do you live? And and the same questions that like you ask, whatever they're sure. asking, you know, so you go yep. to sea and like, you know, but they live on this island and I'm like, well, tell me how you live, <laughs> you know, like, right. and yeah. And, and, it, and, and in the end, like we had this great relationship with them and they did this ceremony for us uh, before we left. And we, there was all of us, all the, our whole fa- each family was sitting down and they had all the kids in the village lined up and they sang us like a farewell song and, presented us with these carved paddles with the insignia of the village on it. And it was just, it was just a, yeah. So it was just an incredible experience. So that, that, that I, I will always remember that, you know, and I, it's such a difficult place to get to, but I'd love to go back. You know, it was, yeah. That's cool. What about your diet? Are you mostly fish and vegetables or are you out, you know, hunting boar or what do you got going on in the background? (laughs) No, no hunting boar. Um, I thought maybe some uh, wild boar on the island or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are in some places. Um, Yeah, primarily fish and vegetables. Uh, So the the food thing is interesting. Um, When we left New Zealand in 2019, we left New Zealand in April 2019 to to, to sail to Bali through through this whole South Pacific and Southeast Asia. We bought $5,000 worth of like dry food. Uh, and the boat was just like packed full of like rice and pastas and pasta sauces and all this stuff. And that lasted us. We still had peanut butter when we got to Bali. Mm. Um, so it lasted a long time, but what primarily what we would do is all of these villages, for example, so this place we went, you can, you can't buy food, but you trade for it. So, you know, they're, they're subsistence agriculture. So they, they grow stuff and they all grow. It's, but it's not like going to the grocery store where you've got like a massive selection. You're going to get what they're growing on the island. Sure. You know, and generally that's like a root vegetable, like cassava or, or something like that. You know, like not, it's not amazing, but lots of times like potatoes, bananas, uh, papaya, mm-hmm. um, if you're really lucky, pineapple, and then you trade for it. You know, so we would, we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't trade the stuff like clothes and masks and snorkels. We would, we would, we would give that stuff to them just to give it to them. But we would trade things like, like sugar and flour Mm -hmm. uh, and these, these commodities that they just don't have access to. Right. And so, yeah, that, that, that's how we would get food. And so we need a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, A lot of just what the locals are eating basically. So now, what about coming back to Canada? Is, there, is that in your cards one day? Or are you going, yeah, no, I've, I'll just sail the ocean, you know, blue? And Yeah, yeah I mean, to be, to, be, uh, to be completely honest about it, I have no, no desire to come back to Canada right now. Um, so I and I have talked about this at, at length. 
do we want to go back to Canada? And, and no, not, not, not now. We don't, we also though, don't at this point in time have plans to really keep sailing as in the sense, in the way that we sailed, Right. you know, we still have the boat, but yeah, there's, there's, it's time to do, it's time to do something different. Mm -hmm. Um, but Bali right now is, is, is the plan for now. Yeah. We really also really enjoy the community here. Yeah. So when you look at back and on your journey of discovering who you are, living your truth, I I, I know there's no regrets, but was there anything that surprised you? Yeah, I I would say the the biggest surprise. So when we first started to go sailing, uh, I had started uh, my a coaching business, and I had I had some clients. Um, so I'd, I'd exited the real estate business, and I you know was working on this this adventure to go sailing. And I'd started a coaching business, and I had actually had like five or six coaching clients. It was kind of taking off on me, mm-hmm. and I thought that I would be able to continue that while sailing. And so, as far as the surprise was concerned, and that like that was what it, what surprised me was it was that. Again, this thing for me, I guess I thought I could do more than I could. Mm. You know, like it was like I can have everything. <laughs> you know, like I I can have the the business I want, I can have the sailing, you know, I can have all that. And and the reality was no, like I had to choose. You know, I had to choose like, hey, do we really want to go on this sailing adventure and 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 make it a real adventure to go off to these remote places? Because there was, there is a way we could have done the sailing thing, and I could have done the coaching thing at the same time, and 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 people do that, but that significantly limits the type of sailing you can do. We wouldn't have been able to go to islands like this Utapua because you're off grid for. We were off grid. We had no we had no good internet for six months in 2019. You know, we we tried to connect for this podcast. I think then, right? And I was like, I just got I got no internet. That's not nothing. That's not something new for me. That's a, that's an old thing that came sure. up. That 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 that's. But it but it surprised me. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about you've got you're going to continue to do some coaching. You've got your master classes, and I'm happy to do a little bit of a plug for you in your master class because I know there's a lot of Ray members that sail, and so to the degree that this goes out to a whole community, but uh, beyond Rain, that's for sure. But tell me a little bit about your master class. What's your vision for that master class, Chris? Yeah. So the, the idea behind the masterclass was, was, was quite simple. It was like, you know, when I, when I started this partly because of my stubbornness and partly because it just doesn't exist, I didn't do anything like, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I didn't know what I was getting into. I did some watching of YouTube channels and some reading of some books, but what I wanted, what I would have loved to have had was somebody who was like, Hey, here's, here's the fundamentals. Here's everything you need to know before you do this. Uh, and, and, and here's the steps you need to take that are going to save you money, save you time, and basically get you on the water, sailing, doing the sailing adventure faster. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's the idea behind it. On, on the, the, the second part of that is there's a lot of people that I've met that this is, they dream of this. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, I think I want to do this, uh, but I'm not totally sure. And they're not totally sure because they don't really know all that it entails. Mm-hmm. So the idea behind the masterclass is to basically take the masterclass and I'm going to basically share everything that you need to know to start a sailing adventure, you know, from like, what's the right boat to buy all the way to like weather communications. Can you work? How do you make money? Cause there is ways you can make money, but what does that do to your plan? Share all that stuff. And by the end, the idea is that people will be in a place where they're like, yeah, you know what, this is what I want to do. Here's, I now have a plan to go out and do it. 
in X amount of time. Or they're like, you know what? Now I'm glad I did this, but this is this is not for me. You know, mm. this is not this is not the direction I want to go. So have you so got a are, yeah. are you, have you got a website? Or are you sending people? Is there some place we can send people yeah. to? Or are you there yet? I don't have a website yet. Right now, the best thing to do is basically just follow me on social media. Yep. I'm doing a lot of posts, uh, even just with just like just information about sailing. I, yep. You know, you follow some of my stuff, yep. sharing my life, how I came to this decision. Yep. But the masterclass will be available, and and the plan is to launch it at the end of April. Yeah. Um. So I'm doing yeah doing a lot of work and research into it to make sure that it it literally does cover everything that 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 people need to know to to go and do this. Okay. Cool. Okay, so we're going to wind up soon, but I, I, there's one question that's kind of didn't come up for me till now. Okay, so it's just, it would, but I, I knew there was a nag in behind there. So the question is this You knew back in the day that you weren't living your truth. Okay, so you, I get that. Like, I, I understand that. But it's not that, I, and this is my story was sailing your truth, or was it adventure that was living your truth, or was it who you were being that is your truth? Like, Sailing's a thing to do, yeah, right. But or was it just who you were being as the real estate EMD business guy? Like, what is what what is that? What is the truth? Living your truth. What did it represent for you? Other than having an adventurous life, it was making a decision. Making a decision in my life that was in a that was for me in alignment with what I wanted to do was was living my truth. You know this the sailing is a part of that journey for me, but it's not the answer, you know, sailing in itself is not living my truth. Like living my truth is, is listening to me, you know, listen. And and it's why, like if sailing was the answer, I'd still be sailing. (laughs) But, but I, but you know, we, we sailed. And and as I mentioned, like it was, it was like that first time going offshore, it was like, wow, amazing, you know, and, and and it was a wonderful thing, but there's still there, there, you know, there came a time where it was like, okay, there's, I was listening to myself mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, you know, there's, there's, there's something more that I want from this, you know? And, and that big piece for me is, is I, I want to impact more people, mm-hmm. you know, I want to help people and I want to create again, you know, and I want to continue to, to create in a way that, that does impact people, helps people, helps them achieve their sailing dream if that's what they want mm-hmm. or wh- whatever it is, you know, I, I, I want to get that message out there. And I realized that, that sailing for me was a step on that journey, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the destination of the journey, sure. you know, the, the old cliche, I guess it's the journey. It's not, it's not the destination. Right. So, well, but I think it's, um, you know, for me is, you know, is, and I needed the clarification. I knew that it just felt incomplete. Like we didn't, I, I, I think I stepped over it early on in our conversation and I wanted to circle back with it because, because I believe, and I know it's such an important conversation. I wish more people could get to that is to live into your own expectation of yourself, live your truth and not live other people's expectations of you and worry about yeah. what others are going to think. And I know that it had to have been, and because I've been on similar journeys in my life, it's, it's not an easy thing to do because you actually are, yeah, you're, you're, you're sometimes breaking up with people, you know, people that were formerly close to you and guess what? They just don't fit in the scope of things. Not that they're wrong and you're right, they just no longer align with your values and all of a sudden things kind of go away. So those are not easy decisions yeah. to make. Yeah. <clears throat> as, yeah. As we want anything to add to that, Chris? Yeah. In, in line with that, I think I would say that 
you know, people have said, you kind of mentioned this before, you know, where were you at um, when you, when you just started, you know, where were you at? And when I look back now, people have asked me that, you know, they're like, do you regret this decision? You know, you had this business that was making you tons of money um, and you've just completely walked away from that and you're living this new life. Do you, do you regret that? You know, and looking back on it now, like I, I, what I tell people is like, you know, in the last five years, I've made two of the best decisions of my life. You know, the second best decision I ever made was to go sailing. The first best decision I made was, was to stop drinking Mm -hmm. and, and the stop drinking thing encompasses a, uh, this piece of like I, the decision to remove the distractions and get clear on what I want to do. Sure. You know, so it's like remove the distractions, get clear on what I want was best decision. Number one, and then actually pursue that was best decision. Number two. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and then that brings me to what, you know, where I am today. And what, what you said was interesting about the, you know, the making a change and, and that, you're going to be breaking up with people and it's, and it's difficult, you know, making the decision to stop sailing was while not as hard as the earlier decisions was also a very difficult decision sure. to make, sure. <laughs> you know, like to be where we are now on land and Valley, not on the boat, because it, all those same things came up. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, man, we've been doing this for four and a half years and we're going to stop what's next. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and So, um, but I, I, I love it. I mean, I, I love this, like, this getting clear and, and making these decisions from a place of what's right for, for me, mm-hmm. you know, to try and let go of the expectations of what other people think and just do what I, uh, what's I, in alignment for me, you know, hundred percent. That's not easy work to do by the way. And, uh, it, that, that in itself takes a lot of self-reflection and introspection and, and really uh, looking and stepping back from it and having an awareness of what's going on for you. So it's a, it's a great body of work to do when you want to take it on. So Chris, we're going to wind down. Always have a couple of rapid fire questions. Now, I'm curious, you're on the boat, you're pretty active. Do you have a workout routine other than that? Or are you just being a busy guy diving and doing shit, doing chin-ups off the mast? What are you doing? <laughs> no, no chin-ups off the mast. Uh, yeah, the uh, I, I would say that 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 period was like I'm 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 in the best physical shape of my life right now. I mean we're on land again now, but but even just getting onto the boat and, and a you're just active mm-hmm. on a boat, mm-hmm. running around doing stuff all the time. Um, I I love the water, so I was in the water all the time. To add on to your question about skills, uh, I learned to surf, mm. uh, and in the last I started surfing maybe a year a year and a half into the sailing trip, and. I was, uh, what I would have been like 30, 32 at that point in time, which is l- late to learn surfing. Sure. Um, but it, it, you know, it was something that I'd always wanted to do. It was another one of these things that, you know, I'd always wanted to, to be a surfer. Um, I just, it was you know, to ride a wave really. And, uh, that is a very good thing for physical fitness. Sure. And that's, you know, I, I did that on the boat, um, and I'm I'm really lucky to be able to do that in Bali. I surf like, you know, three to five times a week, and uh, it's it's fun and it's 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 great fitness. And then the other thing that I did too is was yoga. Uh, yoga is not always easy to do on the boat because if you're on an anchors that's rolling, it it wasn't it's not the easiest thing to to do the yoga poses. But those were my two main things: surfing and yoga. Do you have a favorite book? Oof. The book that inspired me to go sailing was a book called Dove, mm-hmm. um, which is which is written by a guy, uh, Richard, I forget his last name now, but if you Google Dove sailing book, he he was a he was a literally a 16-year-old in the 60s that sailed around the world by himself. Yep. Unreal story. 
That's a good one. I love adventure stories. Adventure like stories. Any, yeah, anything that's like, I, I just finished reading. Well, uh, when are you going to uh, write your own damn book then? Write your own adventure story, dude. I expect coming. it. I expect coming. it. I expect <laughs> it's it. coming. Do you have a favorite <laughs> inspirational quote? Yeah. Uh, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. One of my favorites, Wayne Dyer. Yeah. Uh, if heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you get to the gates? Mm. Heaven exists. What do I want to hear God say when you get to the gates? Thank you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, That's fine. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Do you have a favorite tune? Oh, favorite song. Uh I can't get no satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> That's a good one. I hear the doves in the background. They are, yeah. Yeah. Favorite movie? Do you guys get a chance to watch any movies? Yeah, lots of movies. Uh, uh, Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> Beautiful. Favorite swear word? <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, of course. F-bomb all over the place. iPhone or Android? Android. Google. Google phone. I just switched to an iPhone and not happy about it. Uh, that's a different conversation. Okay, what are you grateful for? Oh man, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a cliche, but I'm I'm grateful for the little things. You know, I'm I'm grateful to be able to wake up, uh, basically wake up in the place that I'm at in Bali, and, and be able to spend the time that I spend with my family, to have the freedom today to choose the the life that I want to live. I would say is is the biggest thing that I'm grateful for. This freedom of choice. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, I am grateful to have uh, been able to follow your journey the way you presented. I'm really, really happy for you. And it's been really awesome to connect with you again. And I've been looking forward to having this conversation and catching up and and uh, really seeing what uh, what you've got going on and, and having you share your story. I think it's a fantastic story. So uh, that's what I'm grateful for today. I'm always, always grateful for my team with the real estate investment network and the community of, of, of the rain community, always grateful for that. And that's what I'm really feeling today. So Chris, thanks for sharing your story, dude. And I know that's so much more than all that you've shared, but listen, it's been great. And, uh, I want to, I want to say thank you for your time. Thank you, Patrick. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be able to be here and, uh, appreciate you taking the time to, to do the interview. It's cool to, it was really interesting to kind of walk through the story in the way that you navigate it with the questions that you ask to, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of like that quote says, you know, the way the, when you change the way you look at things, so the, the, the things you look at change sure. to constantly be trying to look at my life in a different perspective and life in a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think you, uh, you accomplished that with your <laughs> questions. So awesome. Thanks man. Job done. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends, as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.